Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to another edition of Ohio Mysteries Backroads. I'm Mike, he's Dan, and together we're going to travel the backroads of Ohio to the town of Toledo, where we'll explore what is perhaps the second known case of men in black in U.S. history. Hi, Dan. Hello, Mike. Now, when you say the men in black, you are, of course, referring to the men in black of UFO folklore, correct? Yes, but the men in black are much more than folklore. Oh boy, so more than just a movie franchise starring Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, huh? Oh yeah, much more. It's, it's a complicated story because their existence most likely began as fictional characters uh, that were conjured up in the very creative mind and imagination of a man named Gray Barker in the 1950s. Barker was an author who wrote about unexplained phenomena, especially UFOs. In 1956, he wrote a book called They Knew Too Much About Flying Saucers. In this book, Barker introduced the world to the Men in Black, or MIB, as they were later known as. He described how witnesses who reported UFOs would later be visited by strange men in black suits driving black cars. They were acting oddly and asking witnesses questions about their UFO experience. Some of these men in black even threatened the witnesses. And no one knows who these guys were, possibly government officials or maybe even the aliens themselves. So it was largely through Barker's writings that the men in black began to become a real phenomenon, often reported in UFO cases, especially in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Well, one thing that I think that uh, should be noted too, this was back before it was popular to even talk about UFOs. And if you were, in other words, caught talking about UFOs, people might look at you a little differently out of the corner of their eyes and say, wait a minute, I'm not sure this guy's on the level. But uh, uh, assuming that we'll be discussing one of these men in black cases as it relates to Ohio, correct, Mike? Yes, and not just any MIB case, but it's the second case on record of reported MIB, of reported men in black, or at least it appears to be. Uh, of course, this is in the United States. Uh, I'm not sure about the rest of the world, but in the United States, this is, but in the United States, this is supposedly the second case reported of men in black. 
Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. You can probably edit that. I might have repeated. You're good. Okay. So, okay. Okay. But just some quick history to help get a better understanding and perspective on this story. It'll, it'll help a lot. I mentioned that this was the second case of Men in Black reported in the United States. The first case of Men in Black occurred in 1947 by a man named Harold Dahl. The case was known as the Maury Island Incident because it occurred over Maury Island in Puget Sound in the North Pacific. Dahl claimed that a UFO ejected some type of hard substance that fell onto his boat and killed his dog. The case received national headlines and Dahl would later claim that he was visited by men in black shortly after the incident occurred. Today, the case is regarded largely as a hoax, but anybody who's really interested in learning the details can Google it. Uh, but this was the first known report of men in black in the U.S. again in, in 1947. Wow, that's going way back. So that was even prior to even the Air Force, I think, because during World War II, they were known as the Army Air Force. Right, right. And you think they were more focused on winning World War II than they were about necessarily investigating aliens. So this really had to be one of the first known cases of the men in black phenomenon. Yeah, that was the first official one reported. I think the Air Force came into existence. I think they left the Army in 47. And I think that's when they started what was called Project Blue Book, which was the, the who handled the UFO cases that were reported around the country. So it all kind of started in 47. But that brings us to our case, which occurred 20 later. But that brings us to our case, which occurred 20 years later in 1967. So in essence, what you're telling me, there were no other MIB cases reported for 20 years? Yeah, and it seems a bit strange, and the timeline is a bit muddled, especially since Barker was writing about the men in black in 1956, and our case happened in 67, which is plenty of time for MIB to be reported, but... All the research I did, our case is officially the second reported case of MIB. You know, you need to keep in mind that Barker was most likely making up the Men in Black stories in his book. And aside from the Maury Island incident, which is, seems like an outlier, the Men in Black were relatively unknown. On the other hand, maybe Barker got the idea of the M MIB because he was familiar with the Maury Island Men in Black. Maury Island was in 47. Barker wrote his book in 56. And he was a UFO writer, so most likely he knew about the case. Also, keep in mind that there's evidence that indicates that Barker was actually skeptical of most UFO claims and more, and mainly wrote about the paranormal for financial gain. He sometimes participated in hoaxes to deceive more serious UFO investigators. So, in other words, he was probably making this stuff up to make money, and he even participated in, in, in some stuff that was probably not on the level. So in essence, he had a little bit of a kind of a circus barker to his personality. Exactly. Exactly so, right. Okay, so we're going to go back to our case, which puts us in 1967 in Toledo. Yeah, there's no specific date given on when this event actually occurred, an exact day. Everything I could find just says it happened one night in 1967. So a man named Robert Richardson of Toledo was driving his car at night when he hit an unknown object. And according to Richardson, when he hit the object, it immediately vanished except for a small lump of metal. Richard would eventually, Richardson would eventually hand over this lump of metal to a UFO research organization called, called the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, or APRO for short. 
A few days later, Richardson claimed that two men wearing black suits, black hats, and sunglasses driving a black 1953 Cadillac showed up at his doorstep at 11 p.m. at night to ask questions. According to Richardson, these men didn't show him any identification and didn't ask to see any because, you know, their smart black suits were enough to imply that they were authority figures. Hmm, and they were wearing sunglasses at 11 o'clock at night? Yeah. Wow. Um, what questions did they ask him? Yeah, you know, not sure either. I couldn't find anything on that either. Um, apparently, it wasn't until after the two men had left that Richardson began to think the meeting was suspicious because he had told nobody about his experience other than his wife and the researchers at APRO, which he had given the lump of metal to. Also, Richardson claimed the Cadillac, which was a 1953 model, remember this is 67 now, appeared to be in mint condition as if it were brand new and it had unregistered license plates. Ooh, cue the Twilight Zone music. But we're not done. One week later, two more men in black suits came to his home. This time, they asked him to hand over the lump of metal. When Richardson told them that he had sent the metal to be analyzed, they said he had better get it back and threatened to harm his wife if he didn't. They told him, if you want your wife to stay as pretty as she is, then you'd better get the metal back. Well, as you may have guessed, this story has a happy ending. Richardson never did hand over the lump of metal to the MIB, and his wife was never harmed, and he never heard from the men in black again. Hmm, so what do you think happened with the metal analysis? That I don't know either, but I just saw an article the other day. This is really weird as we're taping this. Um, I just read an article that there is a, a place now that is holding all these old records, and they're going to be available to the public soon. All the APRO records and, and records from other organizations that, that took UFO reports are going to be in one location, and they will be available to the public. So I'm hoping I can find that record and see if they mention anything about this lump of metal. Do you know if this is a government function, or is this a private it's organization? It's a private organization that's doing it. Oh, cool. So, so they're going to kind of collate all this information yep. and make it available to the public. Right, right. The guy's name was Alan J. Hynek, who was uh, in charge of Project Blue Book as far as researching. He started Center for UFOs organization, and they studied uh, UFO reports. They're going to get all his reports and put them in there. They're going to do Project Blue Book. I think they're going to put them in there. So all these organizations that handle UFO reports from 1947 till now, they're all going to be lumped together in this one place. Do you know if uh, that UFO chase from Portage County, are they going to have anything about that in this? I'm sure it'll be in there. I, I don't know who handled that. I know the gov- I know the Air Force officially uh, investigated it. So yeah, I would say it would be in there. I can't wait to read more. Yeah, I I'm, I'm think they're just trying to assemble the uh, the data and everything and, and make it available soon. So I'm looking forward to that too. I'm, I'm hoping to look up this case, as I said, and see if they what analysis was done on that metal. Very cool. What the, what the results were. So... Uh, just for fun, here's something interesting. I googled Robert Richardson to see what would come up. And what I found was a gentleman with that name from Toledo who was born in 1937. That would put him about the age of 40 in 1967 when our story occurred. So the timeline fits. He died in 2020 at the age of 82. And he's buried in, in the Toledo area at a Toledo cemetery. His obituary is very detailed, and it describes his life and what type of person he was. And they even mentioned his nickname was Gunny. 
I found, and I found one sentence in that obituary that was extremely interesting to me. The last line of the first paragraph reads, he never met a stranger he wasn't willing to strike up a conversation with. Gunny was also known for his stories and tall tales. Like maybe UFO tales? Do you think it's the same guy we're talking about? I'll tell you, it sure sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I'm plan on, I plan on visiting Gunny, Gunny and his gravesite at some point. Uh, and, that's, and that's our story of the men in black in Ohio. One of the first men in black cases ever reported in the country. I hope you enjoyed it. Wow, very cool. It's so cool to hear these Ohio ties. Yeah, I appreciate you listening. Thanks to everybody, and we'll see you next week. What a great story. Thanks, Mike. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more like it, head over to ohiomysteries.com. With over 500 podcasts to choose from, there's sure to be one that's going to keep you captivated. I'm Dan, and I can be found at YouTube at North Coast History and Haunts. My partner Mike can be found at Facebook at Too Late for Autographs. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.